You're listening to SBS News. Erpin, a gateway to Kyiv, now a shadow of its former self. The elderly evacuated to the sound of gunfire. The injured treated on the roadside. And the dead abandoned in the streets. Everything's destroyed on the street. We just passed a building with five or six army ambulances all destroyed inside. The size and scale of the problem is way bigger than we thought. That's James Spensley in the Ukrainian city of Erpen, describing the devastation he's seen firsthand. Dangerous, exhausting, life-changing. That's how the entrepreneur views his first journey, delivering ambulances to some of Ukraine's war-affected regions. And he's doing it all over again, currently back in Europe, organising another delivery into Ukraine. Before embarking on his second trip, he spoke to SBS about his experiences with the first. Each day, many are getting destroyed. So there's towns where they had 500,000 people and the town itself was down to two ambulances for them. Um, we passed by a burnt out building that had six army ambulances um, all destroyed in, inside of the building. Um, so the ambulances are getting destroyed faster than, than they're getting put back into the country by you know, efforts like this. Um, so we've we heard that each ambulance saves up to five lives a day. You know, it extracts up to 10 people um, out of the front lines or out of the city and uh, saves those lives. Mr Spensley's road trip started at the end of May in Poland, where he collected the refitted ambulances bought in France. He, along with other volunteers, drove the ambulances into Ukraine, documenting their journey along the way. Driving across Ukraine with a couple of ambulances, listening to Go A. Humanitarian aid stickers help the ambulances to get through checkpoints. Getting through those can take some time. Um, obviously, the closer you get to the front, the more of those there were and the more suspicious they were of, of sort of anyone pulling up. So, you know, am I going to get through the next checkpoint? You know, are they going to want to search us? Are they going to stop us? Are they not going to let us through? Um, so there was a lot of questions there. Um, and then constantly thinking about mines and, you know, what the side of the road, there's a, there was a lot of sign, you know, handwritten signs with mine written on them. Uh, many of which could easily blow away. So, you know, when, you, when you're turning or pulling off or having a break or changing drivers, uh, you just have to be incredibly careful. The ambulances are fitted with essential equipment to save lives. Yeah, so I bought the first two ambulances. Um, they're about 25000 once you buy the ambulance, service it, um, put all the medical supplies and medical equipment in it. Um, you know, things like defibrillators, oxygen tanks, you know, disposable stuff, syringes, bandages, uh, all of the important stuff. So they come to about 20000 20 to 25000 um, per ambulance. Um, so the first two, as I say, are purchased. Uh, and then we've had incredible donations since then. And Mr Spensley is no stranger to risk. He sold a house, raising $1 million to fund a start-up in 2007 and has since been twice awarded EY Young Entrepreneur of the Year. The 45-year-old is now chair of the online platform Airtasker. You know, when I, when I have an idea and I really back myself, I, you know, I do the research. Um, so it didn't feel as risky um, but I guess that's why, you know, I picked up stumps and went and delivered some ambulances to Ukraine because I, I can handle risk and I, you know, I don't, you know, I understand it. Um, I'm, not, uh, I'm not stupid enough to think that there's no risk, but uh, I take calculated risks. So selling the house to start a business was a calculated risk. Delivering ambulances to hopefully save five lives a day is a, is a calculated risk where the reward justifies the risk. 
After paying for the first two ambulances himself, he raised $200,000 in crowdfunding to buy at least another eight. I've been struggling with ways to help. It, Australia is so far from Ukraine um, and it's so close um, you know, to, to our hearts. But it's hard to find a charity or a way to really make a difference. And I felt anything, I felt obliged to do something. This is, you know, this is um, one of those rare opportunities where you, you have to step up. Um, and I just couldn't find that way to do it. So I started thinking about well, what can I do direct. It's estimated that since February 2022, economic losses from the war in Ukraine may have reached $600 billion. Damaged residential buildings account for the biggest losses, along with more than 25,000 kilometres of road that have been damaged or destroyed. After his gruelling journey, Mr Spenceley returned to his home on Sydney's northern beaches before embarking again in mid-June for his second trip to Ukraine. He lives with his Ukrainian-born wife, Victoria, and their two children, Roman 11 and Sienna 7. She says she's proud of her husband. We are so proud of him. Like It's incredible. Like Going there to Ukraine and see it with your eyes it's, and, and doing this to people, it's just... Yeah. And kids, like, they... They just can't believe they're talking about this and Papa's in Ukraine and, and they could not wait for him to come back. Across the country, few places remain safe. Odessa is Ukraine's third most populous city. Today, it was a ghost town. Barbed wire rolled out, landmarks sandbagged after the mayor warned Russian forces were close to encircling the city. The family's fundraising effort is deeply personal. The couple met while Mr Spenceley was working in Odessa, Ukraine, and later married in Sydney in 2007. Victoria Spenceley's family still live in Kherson in Ukraine, and she's very concerned for their safety. They have like shortage of food. They they have like they don't know how it's going to be in the future in the winter time. At the moment, they have a little garden. They can get some like bread, but it's all like temporary. They don't know. And for example, they have no medication, like nothing. Like like if you have a like my mom has a problem with blood pressure. There's no medication. At night time, they have to turn off the lights. The Russian people can't see that who lives where, so they have to after 5 p.m. There's no light. Yeah, it's just. Uh, completely life change and like in a horrible way. The Spensley family's support is not the only non-government medical aid being sent from Australia to Ukraine. Liz Puzlowski is chair of the International Coordination of Medical Supplies to Ukraine on behalf of the Australian Federation of Ukrainian Organisations. She's so far overseen the collection and distribution of more than a million dollars worth of Australian medical aid for Ukraine. Thank you very much to all the Australians who've donated to the Ukraine Crisis Appeal because it has allowed us to spend $1 million on urgent medical aid that's going to Ukraine and going straight to the um, front line. It's made me so humble in seeing how gracious and um, supportive Australians have been. Everyday Australians, you know, not only have the hospitals given, but everyday Australians have given not only money, but their time and energy in collecting medical supplies. It's been fantastic. 
Across Australia, she says coordinators collect medical supplies from hospitals, filling lists of requirements received weekly from the Ministry of Health in Ukraine. Ms Pozlowski says 150 pallets of medical aid, including bandages and defibrillators, were flown from Australia by defence aircraft recently. And in the May budget, the former federal government provided $156 million in assistance to Ukraine, including $91 million in lethal and non-lethal military assistance and $65 million in humanitarian and settlement assistance. For Mr Spenceley, the Ukrainian relief effort remains ongoing. They know that the world cares, um, but I think that's at a macro level. They're getting billions of dollars, it's going into guns, um, but it's not going into directly impacting people's lives. We talked to soldiers who needed sleeping bags, who needed earplugs because the shelling's so loud that they're losing their hearing. So there's this just a lot of stuff happening at the macro level, but at that individual micro level, they were just so pleased to see someone from the other side of the world that cared enough to to come to their country. He says the journey has changed his life forever. I've definitely become a different person after after seeing the destruction. And the thing that shocked me was it wasn't, you know, military facilities that were getting hit. You know, as you can see, it's shopping centres, it's shopping malls, it's a building supply company that you know, things are just getting destroyed and they're not getting destroyed, you know, by a single artillery shell. They're being targeted. Um, you know, I went to a hospital uh, where the ch- a children's hospital that's out in the forest and it had been shelled by artillery um, to the point where it had no roofs and all the windows were blown out and all the children had to be evacuated. So it's just the indiscriminate nature of the damage that Russia's inflicting. He says Ukrainians not only have to win the war, but also face a massive rebuilding effort. Peggy Giacomelos, SBS News. And you can listen to more episodes in the Change Agent series from your favourite podcaster on the SBS app or your smart speaker.